Section 45 of the Broad Highway. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ellen Preckle. The Broad Highway by Geoffrey Farnall. Chapter 44. The Bow Street Runners. It was toward evening of the next day that the door of my prison was opened and two men entered. The first was a tall, cadaverous-looking individual of a melancholy cast of feature, who, despite the season, was wrapped in a long frieze-coat, reaching almost to his heels, from the pocket of which projected a short staff or truncheon. He came forward with his hands in his pockets, and his bony chin on his breast, looking at me under the brim of a somewhat weather-beaten hat. That is to say, he looked at my feet, and my hands, and my throat, and my chin, but never seemed to get any higher. His companion, on the contrary, bustled forward, and tapping me familiarly on the shoulder, looked me over with a bright, appraising eye. "'Selp me, Jeremy,' said he, addressing his saturnine friend. "'Selp me. I've ever seen a poor misfortunate cove, more to my mind and fancy. Nice and tall and straight-legged, twelve stone if a pound. A five-foot drop now, or say five-foot six, and he'll go off as sweet as a bird. Ah, oh, you'll never feel it, McCovey, not a twinge.' A little tightish round the windpipe, perhaps, but, Lord, it's over soon. You're looking a bit pale round the gills, young cove, but, Lord, that's only natural, too. Here he produced from the depths of a capacious pocket something that glittered beneath his agile fingers. And now might be your general health, young cove, he went on affably. Bobbish, I hope. Fair and bobbish? As he spoke, with a sudden dexterous motion, he had snapped something on my wrists, so quickly that at the contact of the cold steel I started, and as I did so, something jingled faintly. There, he exclaimed, clapping me on the shoulder again, but at the same time casting a sharp glance at my shackled wrists. There, now we're all happy and comfortable. I see as your Rakovas takes things nice and quiet, and so long as you do, I'm your friend. Bob's my name, and Bobbish is my nature. Lord, the way I've seen which fortunate coves take on at sight of them bracelets. Something outrageous. But you, why, well, you're a different kidney. You're my kind. You are, what do you say, Jeremy? "'Don't like his eye,' growled that individual. "'Don't mind, Jeremy,' winked the other. "'It's just his perverseness. "'Lord, he is the perverseest country ever did see. "'Why, he finds fault with the Pope of Rome "'just because he's in the habit of letting ghosts kiss his toe. "'I've heard Jeremy work himself up over the Pope "'and a pint of porter till you'd have thought, "'And we ain't never a-gonna start,' inquired Jeremy, "'staring out the window with his back to us. "'And where,' said I, "'might you be taking me?' "'Why, since you ask, my covey, we am taking you to where you'll be took good care on, "'where you'll feed well and have justice done on you. "'Trust us for that. "'Though, to be sure, I'm sorry to take you from such proper quarters as these, "'noise and airy, eh, Jeremy?' "'Ah, and with a fine view of the graves,' growled Jeremy, leading the way out. "'In the street stood a chaise and four, "'surrounded by a pushing, jostling throng of men, women, and children, "'who, catching sight of me between the Bow Street runners, "'forgot to push and jostle.' and stared at me with every eye and tooth they possessed, until I was hidden in the chaise. "'Right away,' growled Jeremy, shutting the door with a bang. "'Whoa!' roared a voice, and a great shaggy golden head was thrust in at the window, and a hand reached down and grasped mine. "'A pipe and baccy, Peter, for me, a flask of rum, Simon's best from Simon, and chicken sandwiches from my prue.' This as he passed in each article through the window. "'And I were to say, Peter, as we're all with ye, ever and ever, "'and I were likewise to tell ye as how cruel pray for ye oftener than before, "'and, e God!' he broke off, the tears running down his face, 
there were a lot more but i forgot it all only peter me and simon be going to get a lawyer chap for ye and ah man peter say the word and i'll have ye out of this in a twinkling and we'll run for it but even as i shook my head the postboy's whip cracked and the horses plunged forward good-bye george i cried good-bye dear fellow and the last i saw of him was as he stood rubbing his tears away with one fist and shaking the other after the chaise chapter forty five which concerns itself among other matters with the boots of the saturnine jeremy a bottle of rum said the man bob and taking it up very abstracted of eye he removed the cork sniffed at it tasted it took a gulp and handed it over to his companion who also looked at it sniffed it and tasted it and what do you make of that jeremy tasted better for now growled jeremy and immediately took another pull sandwiches too pursued the man bob in a ruminating tone i always was partial to chicken and forthwith opening the dainty parcel he helped himself and his companion also what do you make of them jeremy he inquired munching i've eaten worse rumbled jeremy also munching young cove they does you credit said the man bob nodding to me with great urbanity great credit there ain't many misfortunates can produce such sandwiches as them though to be sure they eats uncommon quick old lard in there jeremy but indeed the sandwiches were already only a memory wherefore his brow grew black and he glared at the still munching jeremy who met his looks with his usual impenetrable gloom a pipe and backa mused the man bob after we had ridden some while in silence and with the same serene unconsciousness of manner he took the pipe filled it lighted it and puffed with an air of dreamy content jeremy's a goodish sort he began with a complacent flourish of the pipe a goodish sort but cross-grained lord young cove his cross-grainedness is a gull only by his perverseness and cause why cause he don't smoke go easy with the rum jeremy there's nothing like a pipe of backa to soothe such things away i got my eye on you jeremy no there's nothing like a pipe of backa look at me i were the perversest infant that ever was till i took to smoking and to-day whatever i am i ain't perverse nor yet cross-grained and many a misfortunate cove as is now no more as wept over me at parting they generally always do growled jeremy uncorking the rum bottle with his teeth no jerry no returned the other blowing out a cloud of smoke misfortunates ain't all the same are you with that bottle you have criers and laughers and prayers and silent ones and the silent coves is the dangerousest are you with the bottle jeremy now you mccovey he went on tapping my hand gently with his pipe stem you ain't exactly talkative in fact not wishing no offence i might say as you was inclined to be one of the silent ones not as old's that against you far from it only you reminds me of a young cove as had the misfortune to get hisself took for forgery and who ordered me a talkin and a chattin to him in my pleasant way went and managed to commit suicide under my very nose which were hardly nice or even respectable considerin' are you with the bottle jeremy jeremy growled held up the bottle to the failing light of evening measured its contents with his thumb and extended it unwillingly toward his comrade's ready hand but it never got there for at that instant the chaise lurched violently there was a cry a splintering of glass a crash and i was lying half stunned in a ditch listening to the chorus of oaths and cries that rose from the cloud of dust where the frightened horses reared and plunged how long i remained thus i cannot say but all at once i found myself upon my feet running down the road for hazy though my mind yet was i could think only of escape 
of liberty and freedom at any price at any cost so i ran on down the road somewhat unsteadily as yet because my fall had been a heavy one and my brain still reeled i heard a shot behind me the sharp crack of a pistol and a bullet sang over my head and then i knew they were after me for i could hear the patter of their feet upon the hard road now as i ran my brain cleared but this only served me to appreciate the difficulty of eluding men so seasoned and hardy as my pursuers moreover the handcuffs galled my wrists and the short connecting chain hampered my movements considerably and i saw that upon this straight level i must soon be run down or shot from behind glancing back i beheld them some hundred yards or so away elbows in heads up running with that long free stride that speaks of endurance i increased the pace the ground flew beneath me but when i glanced again though the man bob had dropped back the saturnine jeremy ran on no nearer but no farther than before now as i went i presently espied that for which i had looked a gate set in the midst of the hedge but it was closed and never did a gate before or since appear quite so high and insurmountable but with the desperation of despair i turned and ran at it and sprang swinging my arms above my head as i did so my foot grazed the top bar down i came slipped stumbled regained my balance and ran on over the springy turf i heard a crash behind me an oath a second pistol barked and immediately it seemed that a hot iron seared my forearm and glancing down i saw the skin cut and bleeding but finding it no worse breathed a sigh of thankfulness and ran on by that leap i had probably gained some twenty yards i would nurse my strength therefore if i could once gain the woods how far off were they half a mile a mile well i could run that easily thanks to my hardy life stay what was that sound behind me the fall of flying feet or the throbbing of my own heart i turned my head the man jeremy was within twelve yards of me lean and spare his head thrust forward he ran with the long easy stride of a greyhound so it was to be a question of endurance well i had caught my second wind by now i set my teeth and clenching my fists lengthened my stride and now indeed the real struggle began my pursuer had long ago abandoned his coat but his boots were heavier and clumsier than those i wore but then again my confining shackles seemed to contract my chest and the handcuffs galled my wrists cruelly on i went scattering flocks of scampering sheep past meditative cows who started up puffing out snorts of perfume scrambling through hedges over gate and stile and ditch with eyes upon the distant woods full of the purple gloom of evening and in my ears the muffled thud 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 of the pursuit sometimes seeming much nearer sometimes much farther off but always the same rhythmic remorseless thud 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 on and ever on climbing steep uplands plunging down precipitous slopes past brawling brooks and silent pools all red and gold with sunset past oak and ash and thorn on and on with ever those thudding footfalls close behind and as we ran it seemed to me that our feet beat out a kind of cadence his heavy shoes and my lighter ones thud thud pad pad thud thud pad pad until they would suddenly become confused and mingled with each other one moment it seemed i almost loved the fellow the next i bitterly hated him whether i had gained or not i could not tell to look back was to lose ground the woods were close now so close that i fancied i heard the voice of their myriad leaves calling to me encouraging me but my breath was panting thick and short my stride was less sure, my wrists were raw and bleeding, and the ceaseless jingle of my chain maddened me. Thud, thud, untiring, persistent, thud, thud, the pulse at my temples throbbed in time with it, my breath panted to it, and surely it was nearer, more distinct, 
yes he had gained on me in the last half-mile but how much i cast a look over my shoulder it was but a glance yet i saw that he had lessened the distance between us by half his face shone with sweat his mouth was a line his nostrils broad and expanded his eyes staring and shot with blood but he ran on with the same long easy stride that was slowly but surely wearing me down we were descending a long grassy slope and i stumbled more than once and rolled in my course but on came those remorseless footfalls thud 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 strong and sure as ever he was nearing me fast he was close upon me closer within reach of me i could hear his whistling breaths and then all at once i was down on hands and knees he tried to avoid me failed and shooting high over me thudded down upon the grass for a moment he lay still then with a groan he rolled over and propped himself on his arm thrust a hand into his bosom but i hurled myself upon him and after a brief struggle twisted the pistol from his grasp whereupon he groaned again hurt i panted arm broke i think he growled and forthwith burst out in a torrent of curses does it hurt so much i panted ah but it ain't that he panted back it's me a letting of you work off a mouldy old trick on me like that it was my only chance said i sitting down beside him to regain my wind to think he growled a me bein took in by a but you're a great runner said i a great fool you mean to be took in by a you have a long walk back and your arm will be painful and serve me right for being took in by if you will lend me your neckerchief i think i can make your arm more comfortable said i he ceased cursing to stare at me slowly and awkwardly unwound the article in question and passed it to me thereupon having located the fracture i contrived a rough splint with a piece of wood lying near which done he thanked me in a burst of profanity and rose i've seen worse coves nor you said he and one good turn deservin another lie snug all day and travel by night keep to the by-roads this ain't no common case there'll be a thousand pounds on your head before the week's out so look spry my cove saying which he nodded turned upon his heel and strode away cursing to himself now presently as i went i heard the merry ring and clink of hammer and anvil and guided by the sound came to a tumble-down smithy where was a man busily at work with a shock-headed boy at the bellows at sight of me the smith set down his hammer and stared open-mouthed as did also the shock-headed boy how long would it take you to file off these shackles i inquired holding out my hands to file em off yes why that that depends then do it as soon as you can upon this the man turned his back to me and began rummaging among his tools with his head very near that of the shock-headed boy until having found a file suitable to the purpose he set to work on my handcuffs but he progressed so slowly for one reason and another that i began to grow impatient moreover noticing that the shock-headed boy had disappeared i bade him desist a cold chisel and hammer will be quickest said i come cut me off this chain here close up to the rivets and when he had done this i took his file thrusting it beneath my coat set off running my hardest leaving him to stare after me with his eyes and mouth wider than ever the sun was gone down when i reached the woods and here in the kind shadows i stayed a while to rest and rid myself of handcuffs but when i felt for the file to do so it was gone End of which concerns itself among other matters with the boots of the saturnine jeremy